Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. It's episode 43, y'all getting campy. Yo, yo. (laughs) That is the type of style this podcast is. You guys, this is our last one before we take our summer break. Episode 43. We are going to do a little bonus one where the three of us, producer Steve, hello producer Steve, hello, and my husband Matt Krieg, we're going to do a little recap in the next one where we talk about some of our favorite moments and we might cry a little, laugh a little, which is only to be expected here at the (laughs) Hole in My Heart podcast. But we have a guest with us today, Susan Titus. Susan, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, she drove in all the way from South Bend, Indiana. Is that where you're from? Yes. Okay. And you are the program director there for a camp, therefore the title of this name, Getting Campy. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of like playing with the words. And I actually, <laughs> I reason I was like looked up what campy meant to just make sure I was getting all the definitions and not making us sound like total idiots. But uh, getting campy. But today we're going to be talking about camp life and how that relates to the LGBT conversation. You've been at Camp Raybird in South Bend, Indiana for... This is your 18th summer? Yes. Did you guys kick off already? I mean, here we are. We had kicked off. This is the middle of week two. Oh, my word. So thank you. So they let me escape for a few minutes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming out here. Um, We're really excited to to talk silly, to talk deep, and to hopefully talk a little practically uh, as we move into kind of that camp season, which is the summer. Okay. But before we go there, we are going to move into the question of the week, which, man, now that we've finally hit episode 43. We've arrived because we're finally getting listener responses. I figured out the secret is Twitter and Facebook and just to put it out there and hashtag it. So we got some answers to the question of the week, which was, what was one of your best or worst and like funny worst? Like I didn't want like, and then my arm got cut off. Actually, that Mm. might be funny. Uh, Or we can laugh at it now. Your arm is gone. Okay, that's probably terrible. Anyway, uh, but what's some of your best or funny worst camp moments? And we got we got a smorgasbord, if you will. Um, my favorite one was from my friend Danny. Hello. And we were talking about pre-recording of making up where everyone is from. Danny from the North Pole. There you go. There it is. I claim that one. Yeah. Uh, she's not from the North Pole. But anyway, she talked about how sleeping four deep in a tiny little tent. And I was actually a part of this scenario. This is senior year of high school. And uh, we did a thing called senior stretch. And I've talked about this a few times when we spoke in places, how that was actually like a really good deep time for me where I heard the voice of God for the first time. But... Poor Danny. She heard the voice of me super early in the morning. So she was like getting elbowed by our mutual friend, Brett, and awake. And then I wake up at like 4 a.m. in real life now. So I might have been sleeping in until 6 there. (laughs) And I just sang at the top of my lungs. I'm alert, alive, awake, and enthusiastic. Because that's what you should do with seniors in high school when you're in a tent. Sure. Anyway, thank you, Danny, for uh, bringing that up. But what other listeners, what other responses caught y'all's eyes and ears? Yeah, I was uh, super thrilled with uh, Joey V's response from Joey um, V. Yeah, Joey V. I'm not going to say the whole last name, but um, she's (laughs) obviously she's obviously from Winchesterton, Fieldville, Iowa. Oh, there you go. What's what? that movie? That's from Mr. Deeds. Mr. Deeds. Yeah, that's, that's the oh, yes. that's the fake fake city from Mr. Deeds. Um, but anyway, she was talking about the first time she went to camp, and she the first night at dinner was putting her elbow on the table as an <gasps> elementary schooler, and simul like spontaneously, everyone broke out in some sort of get your elbows off the table song. What? 
and kind then of judgy little camp. They made her that? run around the uh, the cafeteria before she could oh. sit down and eat. So I, I thought um, you were going to say she had to run around the whole like campground. Well, but, no, she yeah. said she okay. had to run around the dining hall. Yeah, and, and so I'm Still. guessing she probably knows not to put her elbows on the table. So she's all all prim and proper and ready to go for dinner. We call that trauma slash wounding slash shaming slash kind of funny. Okay, it's funny slash. <laughs> teachable moment oh there in camp life in yeah. camp do you guys do that in your camp we do not you don't publicly shame people and make them run laps we attempt to not publicly it. shame people that's really Probably good very good choice. yeah <laughs> my favorite one was from chris uh and i guess i'll make up that he's from a camp on the top of mount denali in alaska because my daughter's in alaska right now wow. what but he tells the story i guess chris could also be female uh Chris tells the story of two camp directors who pranked each of their camps and convinced their camps to sneak over to the other camp to surprise the camp. And the two camps met in the middle and they turned the lights on and played capture the flag in the night. And being the program director, that really appeals to me. Oh yeah. To trick your kids. I do know Chris is a guy because he's my friend, but that would be amazing. Trick your kids into being a little scared. Again, there's kind of elements of public shaming in all of these (laughs) scenarios, but just enough to make them laugh. (laughs) Uh, and the one I really appreciated was from Meg uh, from, uh, from Munich, Germany. Meg uh, was actually in the States doing a backpacking uh, 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 excursion in the Grand Canyon. Says, as a shy high schooler, uh, went outside the camp to pee, came back, and something smelled awful. Everyone smelled it. Turns out I had stepped in someone else's human poop. Oh, Meg. Poor and, Meg from Munich. And, and then Meg says, I had no means of proving that it wasn't mine. Oh, that's a tough man. spot to be in. Terrible. Yeah. Oh, man. But to, to be able to laugh about it later. Yes. At least. And I don't think they made her run around the. Because it would have spread the smell. Exactly. Yeah. That would have yeah. just dispersed the whole every, place. Yeah. Crop dusting is what we call it. <laughs> so, like, actually crop dusting. It would have been like chunks of poo. Uh, okay. We're getting off. We've really matured. Wow. Glad I picked in... that one. <laughs> sure did. Thanks, guys. Uh, so, for the next question of the week, we'll, we'll hear from you all in august when we reunite Mm -hmm. but now we are shifting to goofball island i kind of want to cry a little bit i'm a little sad like nostalgic even though only going to be off for a month but like 43 episodes okay so the vehicle we're taking to have this vacation from our problems is a jeep Boring old Jeep. I made you to find many sound effects. Thanks for the Jeep. I'm go- it's a vintage, like World War II Jeep. Or maybe like Korean War era. That's all I would yeah. expect from you. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We're playing a game called Camp or Tramp because it rhymed. <laughs> okay. Now, what you have to do is say, is what I am going to tell you. I'm going to tell you about a camp. And you have to tell me, is this camp real a camp or is it a tramp okay ready <laughs> we are gonna start with matt we're gonna go around the room it's gonna go matt steve and then susan and you tell me if it's real or fake okay matt first yes. one camp biz smart where kids partner with google and microsoft teams to come up with new inventions and apps Ki- camp biz with a z because mm-hmm. of course it does smart <laughs> yeah. one word um i would say that that sounds real sounds like a real camp it is a real camp. You get one point. You go, yes. one Coco. What do we wow. get if we win? Yeah. 
you get more of Jesus' love in <laughs> no. your... No, are we are need to saying, come up with something. We need prizes. Jesus Can I actually is, get is more earned? of Jesus' love? No. Ooh. Oh, man. Now I'm just getting a theological get a- box <laughs> of shame again. There's some Clorox The, the winner gets to do a lap wipes. around the uh, studio. <laughs> gets to. Gets to do a lap around And it's around about the 80 degrees. Yes. Okay. So... Uh, TBD, TBD, to be decided by the end of this. Okay, Matt gets one point. Okay, and ready? Has one point. And has one point if you play catchphrase. Yes. Plantation farm teaches kids how to keep a real working farm going. They work the garden and care for animals, real or fake camp or tramp. Plantation farm? Yes. Camp plantation farm. I'm going to say that's tramp. And it's real. Oh. It's in Casadero, California. Of course. Uh, sorry, Steve. Okay, Ready? Yeah. Explosives camp where kids learn about and handle <laughs> explosives. The grand finale of the camp experience is a fireworks show the kids put on. Well, odds would say that it would not be real, but I'm going to have to go with that. That is real. It seems like a fun camp. It is in Rolla, Missouri. Wow. I know. We're going to keep going. We got about... Yeah, one no, more. I, I want to go to explosives camp. I would that like to pause awesome. right now and yes. just observe that of all of the little competitions that we've had uh-huh. for Goofball Island, this yes. is the first where somebody has said, what's the prize if you win? And of course that somebody would be a camp program director. <gasps> because there's prizes. Because there's always competitions at camp there and prizes. Are, so, well, there's rarely prizes actually. Oh, but I thought that maybe... Team Spirit? What can I do? What can I pull out? Because I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I got a water bottle that's got my germs all you over You just win it. the honor and the glory. You get honor and glory and bragging rights. Yes. And I'll mm-hmm. hashtag that you won it. Hey, we could call last week's guest and see if we could get a copy of Jimmy Needham's latest CD <laughs> yeah. or something. Right? <laughs> yeah, why that would not? Be from his wife, Kelly. Yeah, or okay. you can listen, be another subscriber on Spotify. Yeah. Okay, so Matt won, Steve zero, sorry, and yeah. Susan won. Okay, ready, Matt? This one's mm-hmm. for you, babe. Okay. Wizards and Warriors Camp, where dungeons and dragons and Harry Potter come to life. Kids create armor, weapons, take weapons, Take weapons training and then take their character on treasure hunts and adventures. I'm going to say it's fake. It's real. <sighs> it's in Boston, Massachusetts. So It's clearly not a Christian camp because <laughs> wizards. Right. right. Ooh, well, well, unless they choose Lord Gandalf. Of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> okay. Is that's a the Christian. exception. Although he's an Ishtari. I'm pretty sure that's yeah. not, not a wizard. Mm, you went to anyway, you just wow. went to real new way, word level. Way word out. level. Yes. It's all right. <laughs> okay. This one I wish Matt got, but it's okay. Uh, hold on. Yes. What, did we determine that that one was real? It, it is real. It was real. In it was Boston, real. Massachusetts. That's right. Okay. Yep. Yeah, they Why definitely I... <laughs> wouldn't host that camp in Salem, Massachusetts. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> a little too close to home. A little too close to home. <laughs> um, Shark camp. Uh, okay. Mom so, and dad yeah. can take a break. On the beaches of Fiji, while your kids get dropped in the ocean in a cage with some bloody chum at the Fiji Star- Shark Studies program. That's true. That's a real camp. Yeah, it's legit. Yeah. It's in Fiji. Ex- like $14 you know billion. Dollars. I was very much on, you know, I was just yeah. like, not unde- I was undetermined. Yeah. And then you said Fiji, and I was like, oh, for sure. Yeah, they yeah. would have that. That's yep. like the only thing you can do and lay on the beach. So throw your kids to the mm-hmm. fishes, literally, and then you <laughs> hang out on the beach. Steve, you pulling it in. You're bringing it in. Right. Everybody's got one. Okay, Susan. For the lead. Spy camp, where children interested in investigation and stealth surveillance can get down and dirty. Participants compete in survival training, ride four-wheelers, and train on combat strategies at this summer camp. Oh, I think that has to be true. Yeah. And they make a movie about it? 
Two of them? Spy that, Kids? That's... Oh! Spy oh, yeah. I don't know if that... Is probably. Actually, did that happen at Spy Camp? I, I don't know. Just, Where yeah. else did they learn their tools of the trade, Matt? They must have gone here. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. All right. I have... Susan's so in the lead. She is in the lead. I have two more, which wasn't really good planning on my part. So... Gives me and Matt a chance to tie it up. To tie it up. And <laughs> then everyone tie? can do this We can slow. all be winners. Hand clap, <laughs> oh, jump Victor in the air, high five. Yes. High five. Okay, right. Matt, zombie camp. Where kids are prepared for the zombie apocalypse, participants can learn survival skills, solve mysteries, and fight off the undead using Nerf weapons at this summer camp. I would, I would have to say that's a real thing. It is real. So, okay. Steve, yes. if you want to be not publicly shamed right. with laps around this building <laughs> and also then get honor and glory... What is uh -huh. this? Okay. Social Enterprise Camp. Designed for children of wealthy families, teaches children about the world of business. For just $25,000 per session, kids can learn about business plans, networking, participating in an internship, and even getting out of the city for lavish weekend getaways. Yeah, Baron Trump goes there every year. That's a real thing. <laughs> Wait, do you really know that? Mm, no. <laughs> I just made that up. That was, I believed you. See? And you're right! So, so every wait, single every one single was camp real. was real. Every single one of them was real. <laughs> yeah. I was I was holding like with waiting with bated breath for like Camp Kikiki from Ernest Goes to Camp <laughs> or like Camp Anawana from wait, Salute wait, wait. Your Shorts. How about Camp Chumbawamba? Remember that? <laughs> no. No, you don't. Oh, It's an episode of Down Gilead Lane. Oh, I do oh. remember. <laughs> so for those of you who listen to this podcast, I It's used a camp to be where you get knocked down and then get up actress. again. That's right. Wait, is that where you guys got the name from? You're like, I mean, Christian kids don't listen writer. to this satanic I was not the writer of that music. script, so I don't know. She can't really camp Chumba Wumba. Yes. Yep. I get yep. knocked down. Right. Yep. A lot of tub yep. thumping. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> word. Oh, let's just talk about that. Okay, that'll be next Goofball Island. Okay, good job, everyone. Yeah. You all win honor and glory equally. Here's your millennial <laughs> trophy. I mean, as, as far as percentage points, you know, Susan definitely yes. was, was yeah, one for two. Yeah, you would have. Two was, for two. She was two <laughs> exactly. for two. Speaking of Susan, let's, let's dig into your heart. The heart of the matter. Okay, so the reason she looks terrified, also <laughs> laughing to cover up her terror. I'm so sorry. It's so much better to do these in person so they can feel a little awkward and I get to see it. Okay, so the <laughs> it reason... It seems way more awkward to do it remotely. Yeah, it is way better to have people in the room. Um, Agreed. Yes. So thank you. And the reason we do this podcast is to talk about how the gospel is good news for everybody every day. So we'd love to hear just like a short version of why is the gospel, when did it first become good news for you and how is it still? Well, I wasn't raised uh, in church or in a Christian family. And so the gospel first became real when somebody shared it with me when I was 18. Hmm. Uh, but I would say became progressively realer as I was involved in a Christian group in college. Yeah. Um, but working at summer camp, definitely uh, all of our kids are low income, poverty level kids um, mm -hmm. and seeing pieces of the gospel brought into their life. And uh, we share the gospel progressively throughout the week, every day. So for the last 18 summers, getting to share the gospel over and over again yeah. um, has made the what you would call like the four spiritual laws gospel very real, but also um, just the idea of the kingdom coming through the gospel in people's lives very real. How do you 
how do you break it down? Like, how do you, when you say you progressively share, let's say someone's listening right now. It's the first time they listened and they're like, what's the gospel? Like, how do you do that with kids? We use a series of colors similar to like back in the day. <gasps> the wordless book. The wor- That's how I came across. It's Christ. similar to the wordless Aww. book. And we adapted it a little bit. So yeah. on Monday, it's purple day because Whoa, God is the king. I don't remember that. Oh. Yeah, we added purple. Oh, it's not um, gold like the shiny page? Gold's Wednesday. Whoa. But... Uh, so Monday's Purple Day yeah. and God's the King. He created everything. He created us in his image. And then Tuesday is we have fallen and separated from God. So it's black. dark day. Dark. Well, oh. we don't call it black day. Okay. Oh, um, yeah. There could be some problems with that. Okay. Yeah. So dark day. So we changed that. And yeah. then Wednesday is gold day, which in the wordless book, I can't remember what gold day stands for. But in our version of the Camp Raybird color of the day. It stands for Jesus who walked in a place with streets of gold, comes down and lives on earth and becomes flesh among us and does miracles and teaches us. Oh. So Jesus becomes real. And then Thursday is red and white day. We combine those two because the blood of Christ washed us white as snow. Oh. And then Friday is purple or dark day yeah. um, where you basically choose. Do I want to turn my own, go my own way instead of God's way? Wow. Or do I want to follow God's way? Do do people ever choose dark day? Um, well, I guess I would have to say based on the number of kids that we actually see walking with Jesus, unfortunately, many of them. Yeah, they do, but they don't like mm-hmm. say it. No, I you mean, just, it's, it's, not verbal, like just it's not a verbal shaming yeah, yeah, choice. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Raise your hand and we'll give you this dark shirt. <laughs> yeah, like, again, I need to emphasize we don't do that at our camp. That's really neat. But we do want to call kids to a choice because discipleship is costly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it is costly. I like that. So it's kind of, it's just a presentation and just like mm-hmm. Jesus does with us, it's like we get to choose. So you have been in the camp world for 18 years and you've also been reaching out to LGBT people for a while. Like how, how many years, like, and, and when did that, why and when did that start for you? Well, I would, uh, I would say it's probably been in the last 10 years um, we came to camp from like an upper middle class white suburb. Mm-hmm. I would have said probably 12 years ago that I had never met a gay person. I'm sure that I had, but to my knowledge had not. Mm-hmm. But the longer we were at camp, you get to know families and campers um, and had a couple girls come out either to myself or another counselor mm. and got a chance to sit and talk with them. Um, so that sort of started me on the path of wanting to understand somewhat reluctantly, uh, wanting to enter this world that seemed very foreign to me Hmm. at the time. Why did you say um, somewhat reluctantly? Um, it wasn't on the top of my radar to, uh, what happened over probably the next five years Mm -hmm. was just becoming sort of immersed in what my pastor at the time would call all things gay. Hmm. Um, and which was a great learning process for me, but it wasn't something that I was necessarily seeking out. But it was a need yeah. at the time because there were only three. We have a small camp. There were only three of us on the full-time staff, hmm. um, and none of us really had any familiarity. And there really wasn't much conversation back 10 or 12 years ago. Yeah. No. So what did you do? So you, you so I started to do some yeah. reading. Okay. Um, I started to do a little bit of slow reading. Um, like, but then really Andrew Marin's book, I know you, read, I read Andrew Marin's book. Uh-huh. Well, I read his first book, okay. the love is an orientation yeah. book. 
Um, but what really propelled me down the path was we had a staff member who'd been a camper. I'd known her since she was seven. Mm-hmm. And she came out about a relationship that she had been involved in the previous summer while serving at camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really compelled me to get some skin in the game mm-hmm. and really start to study and learn and understand. And it was then that I read Andrew Marin's book, um, and he challenges people in the last chapter that if God is moving in you at all, just do something. Hmm. And I still remember I was sitting in our family room and summer camp was about to start. And I thought, I God is clearly moving, but I can't do anything other than what I'm called to do right now, which is summer hmm. camp. Mm-hmm. So I laugh now, but I wrote in my journal, come August, Lord, I'll do anything you put in my path. Wow. And so put some things in my path. And I don't know that I would pray that again <laughs> based on the next year, but uh, I learned a lot that year. <laughs> what happened that next year then? Um, well, because I'd read the Love is an Orientation book, I started to travel to Chicago Every other week, um, the Marin Foundation ran a biweekly question answer time called Living in the Tension, mm-hmm. where they invited uh, members of the LGBTQ community as well as evangelicals or really any church people to come. And there was a topic every night. And so I attended that all year um, mm-hmm. until really just because of just some doctrinal ideological things. Yeah. We had a parting of the ways. So are you just like a determined person that like when you put your mind to something, you do it? Or like how much of it was that? And how much of it was like your heart was breaking as you're starting to read these stories? And and how much of it was like, I got to do this for my job? Like how much? Oh, it, uh, it probably in the very beginning, a yeah. lot of it was just because I'd met these campers and I yeah. wanted to have something to say. Yeah. Um, but at this point, traveling back and forth to Chicago, it was very much... Uh, that God had just compelled me. Hmm. I felt a lot like Jeremiah. I could have not gone, but I would have been miserable in not doing what I was supposed to do. Hmm. So I attended the Living in the Tension gatherings. And then in South Bend, I found um, we have a local LGBT resource room and they have a meeting called PFLAG, Parents and Friends of Lesbians and Gays. Mm -hmm. And so I started to attend that, Mm -hmm. um, which was a really unique space to be in as a conservative Christian. How does your theology not change in all this? Because here you are, you're attending all these things, and I hear many stories of people who start getting to know people and they start attending things, and then it's just like, whoop, their theology changes. It was really hard. Um, I come from a really conservative background, and through the course of this, I was talking to my husband on the way up, uh, it was so good. My pastor uh, spent a lot of time with me, but it was very hard you meet so many people and stories are heartbreaking. Um, And how do you walk away not thinking God is just mean Mm. in the equation, Uh, but really just spent a lot of time reading and studying. And my, my pastor, my husband, our, our director at the time at camp, just very patient in talking through things with me um, to really solidify what I believe. Wow. So you were simultaneously like, so you're studying but you and you're reaching out, but you weren't a complete nomad in this. You weren't just you by yourself. Like you were also getting fed and like discipled in like, what am I supposed to believe? And it, it sounds like that really helped to guide your spirit as you're navigating missional territory. Is that accurate? Yeah. I'm just a verbal processor. Yeah. So most uh, so they were the closest people to me mm-hmm. and really the only people that would tolerate listening to me for longer than like five minutes describe, oh, I went to this meeting and here's what we yeah. talked about. People, yeah. it was very hard to keep friends during oh. that year. Oh, really? <laughs> well, just 
if it's not interesting to you and which yeah. I can understand that was basically all that was on my mind. Yeah. yeah. Oh at yeah. At that time. Well, and you say you came from a, a very conservative background too. And, you know, even 10 years ago, that was not something that many conservatives were talking about. No, um, no. I, I guess my, you, you said Camp Raybird is a smaller camp. Um, yeah, we host about 800 campers a summer. So we'll have about 125 campers a week. Do you, do you feel like going through this wrestling that you were going through this whole learning process at a, at a place that was, I guess, more intimate within the staff, um, was that helpful? Or, you know, do you feel like you could have had the same journey had you worked at one of the, you know, larger camps that has like, you know, hundreds of staff and employees? It's hard to, because I don't work at a camp that's large like that, um, I don't really have a framework for that. But it was really cool because uh, it was just myself and my husband and our friend was the director and he had also lived in our, we had in a sense grown up with him. So we had already known him like 15 years so we had a lot of history together and they didn't really think I was crazy. Mm. So that helped a lot in just the processing of things because midway through that year, then I had another friend uh, share with me that this guy that she worked with, he and his partner ran a gay bar and would I go with her? <laughs> um, she was actually our, at this point he was like one of our elders and she was his wife and um so I was probably the only person that she could possibly think of that would want to go to a gay bar with her. So you said So we yes. started to go to the gay bar together. Um, and then probably for the next two or three years, we're very consistent. I've fallen off the wagon a little bit in my <laughs> attendance. Of the gay bar. At the gay bar. So why did you go? Because I'm sure people listening are like, what? That's like Satan's playground. What are you doing there? Like, what, what was your motivation? Well, my motivation at the time, I, I just really had prayed that God would put any gay people in front of me mm. so that I could just learn and talk and um, ask questions if people were willing to have questions asked or mm -hmm. really just be in that space and see, uh, experience just people yeah, um, and hear stories. So that's what compelled me to go. But then really just loved the place. It was a little neighborhood bar um, and got to know the, the owner and his partner and went most consistently on Sunday nights. They have a family potluck. Mm. And so they provide the meat. Everybody that's there brings side dishes, very much like church with no Jesus. Mm. Uh, people were very connected to each other, very welcoming. Um, there were, over the first two or three months, a lot of questions of me. Mm. Why, Did everyone think why you were are gay? You here? Did everyone, like... Actually, nobody thought I was gay. <laughs> I have, uh, the, the young woman that came out to us at camp that really propelled me on yeah. this, um, we had become friends and she actually lives with my husband and myself now. Uh -huh. um, she said, nobody would ever mistake me for being gay. Uh, you don't read gay. So I was, I don't know whether to say thank you <laughs> or, you could just, yeah, um, so only say? twice was I ever mistaken for gay yeah. there. And many, many times did I just have people say, what are you doing here? Yeah. So and what did you say? Um, I said, I work at a local Christian camp and God has really just compelled me to want to learn what it is like to be gay. Wow. Did you, ha so that's, what was their reaction to you? Um, some people were like, wow, that's really interesting. Mm. Um, but many people would just pull up a chair and sit down and say, that's really weird. Like, what, what are you doing? Why are you really here? Mm. But then it led to many good conversations. Were you just 
started talking about Jesus and why you love people or how not you- really. I, I wouldn't say that we talked about Jesus that much, mm-hmm. um, but just would share like campers coming out, wanting yeah. to understand, to have yeah. context for things and that I didn't have great understanding and could I just learn? I love it. So very, you, very humble, very humble posture yeah. and being in, I didn't realize world. that at the time, uh, <laughs> but really was just a little nervous and yeah. didn't really have anything to add to the conversation at that point. And so just, I had nothing to say. So I just needed to listen. I love it. Cause many people would just start talking before listening and LGBT people I talk to, I say, what's the number one thing you need from pastors and Christians? And like, just listen to me. And not listen to say your sentence, but just listen to actually hear and understand. So you wear a rainbow colored bracelet, three of them. So why do you do that? Well, um, when I was attending the PFLAG meetings and they were uh, a pretty liberal, unfriendly group, I would say (laughs) in the beginning. um, To you, a conservative person who was genuinely curious or or were you? I had called ahead of time and said, hey, I just wanted to attend, but I'm a little nervous. Mm -hmm. Could I just be like a fly on the wall? Do I need to talk? And the person on the phone said, no, 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 you just come. Um, Just experience the group. It'll be great. But when I actually went, the meetings were like two hours long and there were only eight of us. Mm. And the person leading said, well, since we're such a small group today, let's all go. And we have one new person here. And that was me. <laughs> let's all go around and share our stories about how we got here. And yeah. I thought, oh, Jesus, please do not make me uh, say out loud that I'm a Christian. And then you immediately think, oh, well, I have to say out loud that I'm a Christian. Wow. Um, so, but that created just some hostility in the first few meetings mm-hmm. um, and some surprise that I came back, but mm-hmm. I persisted in going back. And so that's really where I learned a lot of the, uh, I guess I would say the side A doctrine, mm-hmm. um, which really was startling to think that the this more liberal side or... Yeah, the affirming side. The yeah. more affirming yep. side yep. Um, had such a well thought out doctrine and mm-hmm. I did not have as well a thought out doctrine. And so I was determined to not be in that place again. But you asked about the bracelet. When I shared that I worked at a summer camp, probably about six months in, the leader, they had warmed up to me at least a little bit because I kept coming back. And she said, so you're you're gonna run into gay kids there at camp and we want you to be nice to them. And I said, oh, I would like to be nice to them too. Hmm. And she said, it would be good for you to have some way that they could identify that you might be someone that they could talk to, even though we don't agree with what you're going to tell them. But mm. if you're nice to them, because just the, the whole, like people killing themselves, you yes. just, yeah. we just want to be nice to people. Yes. Um, so she gave me a couple ideas of how I could be identified as uh, a friendly person, a safe a person. A safe person, yeah. One of them was that I could start to refer to my husband, Sean, who was still at the time working full-time at camp. I could refer to him as my partner. Hmm. And he was not down with that idea. Um, and they had a couple other ideas, but, uh, one of their things was to wear, wear some rainbow thing. And so mm-hmm. I started to invest. I got some earrings and then finally said, I'm not really a jewelry wearer. Mm-hmm. So settled on the bracelet and wound up 
through either making or through Amazon ordering probably 20 bracelets that a new one would come every day. And I'd be like, nah, I don't really like that. <laughs> so, but eventually settled on the bracelet and it has prompted a lot of conversation. So you've identified yourself as a safe person by wearing this. So for you, it means like people can wear the rainbow color flag things and, and mean different things. But when you wear it, you're like, I want to be a safe person as much as it depends on me. I want to just love people where they're, I want to accept you where you're at. And it doesn't mean it's so funny because we automatically think, well, your theology is shifting. You're, you're changing. You're changing. And your theology hasn't shifted. It's been hard to hold on to it, but it's your, your theology is stable. And yet you're, you're able to be accepting and loving that blows people's minds. Is it hard well, to it, walk? Not anymore. But during the course of that year, the first couple of years, um, there was a tension of, do I want to be perceived as being affirming? But then I just really felt like I'd read, if I'm going to err, I'd rather err on the side of working to love well and needing the Holy Spirit to rein in what mm -hmm. I was doing. Um, and my, uh, I figure my husband, Sean, will happily rein me in if he feels <laughs> like I'm plunging off the deep end. So he was okay with the bracelet and yeah. I've persisted on with the bracelet. Wow. And I love it, like that if we err on the side of love because truth is intrinsic to love in First Corinthians thirteen, like it's love rejoices when the truth wins out. So if we err on love, we err on all of it, on all the meanings of love. So that's awesome. So in the beginning, I only wore the bracelet at camp, but then felt convicted. This is who I. This is who I was. Yeah. Now and so now I wear it everywhere, and I get random comments from people all the time. Really? Did you start it. sharing their story? Um. I volunteer at a local high school and yeah. I will have kids just come in at lunchtime and say, Hey, I hear you talk to people. Um, can I, I just, I'm having trouble. Can I talk to you? Um, but mostly like out in the grocery store, people will just ask, why do you, why do you wear that bracelet? Mm -hmm. Or I like your bracelet. Can you make me a bracelet? Mm. So I've have you done it? Have you made bracelets for people? I have made, uh, I usually want to find out why they want a bracelet. Yeah. So I love it. You just, so, you just carry the bracelet making material in your pocket when you go to the grocery store. Well, I have a lot of spare bracelets at this point yeah. in life. So, so I'm, just I, hand I, can, them out. I yeah. can afford to give a few away. So again, people who are listening, they might be nervous and like, oh, but if I do that, aren't I affirming? And you guys, we need people who are alive in order to talk to them at a heart level. And so even you're being a safe person, let's say they're content contemplating suicide or they're wrestling with their own life and they see this bracelet and they're thinking, Oh, maybe I can talk to her. I'm sure they're not just walking up to you. This may be a fear. I'm like just saying all sorts of sexual exploits. I'm guessing you're starting to hear story and then you're hearing hearts, which the heart level is where Jesus walks right in. Is that accurate? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> never, never have I heard any sexual exploits. So <laughs> She's just, yeah, right. I've only heard, uh, I'm getting picked on. I'm getting bullied. People call me gay. People call me fag. My parents yell at me. Oh. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, never anything sexual related to it. We grieve with those who grieve. And it is the kindness, tolerance, and patience of God that leads to repentance. And it is the love of God, Ephesians 3, that gets us to, empowers us to want to die to our natural inborn desires to get our needs met anywhere but God. So I want to bring it back to camp. I get probably top 10 question I get is, okay, I have a girl. She's identifying as a boy. Where do they sleep at camp? I have a boy who's identifying as a girl. Where do they sleep at camp? So this is youth pastors. This is camp counselors. They're wrestling with this. What do y'all do? It's really hard um, 
it's really hard. We had our first transgender camper apply this spring um, and sent a message out to camps in our area, to the national office, uh, really got no, couldn't find another camp, at least in this area, that had really any experience of hosting a transgender camper. Hmm. Um, so this was a, a camper that had come as female last summer for her first summer at camp as, and she was, um, 14 at the time. So, which is kind of unusual for us. A lot of our campers grow up at camp. Yeah. Um, but she was 14 and had such a great, and wasn't a believer, had never, no church background, um, and had such a good experience at camp that even as she went home and wrestled with uh, being transgender and transitioning, at least in dress and name throughout the year, wrote to our director and wanted to come back, uh, wrote just a short email. I was a camper last summer, but I'm a boy now. And is there a place for people like me? Hmm. Um, and so we started, there are four of us on staff now. My husband's left and there's another couple and another man. And so we started to talk about, could we host him as a boy mm-hmm. and what would that look like in a boy's cabin um, and had a plan that we thought was workable with probably some issues that were going to come up. Uh, and, but and ultimately, issues being like, I'm sure you were nervous about the safety of this person and then the safety and maybe of the other people, like in the sense, like, are they going to be safe for this person? Is this like, is what were you like, I guess, what were those issues? Like I can, Obviously, guess, but what well, were some thinking was some just wanting it to be a safe space where nobody was getting picked on. Yeah, um, issues of privacy and changing and dress. Mm-hmm. Um, and this camper still is very feminine mm-hmm. in presentation, even mm-hmm. though I don't know that he is aware mm-hmm. of how feminine mm-hmm. he is. So it was just going to be hard, mm-hmm. um, and needing to communicate ahead of time with parents and campers that would be there. Um, But ultimately our board decided that we couldn't do that Mm. because they're ultimately the ones that decide things like that. Mm -hmm. So we did offer that uh, he could come in a, in a female cabin Mm -hmm. as his birth gender. Mm -hmm. Um, And he did decide to come Mm. as female. Wow. And we'll be there in two weeks. Wow. And I know some other options that you were throwing around, like, no, no, not throwing around. I, I need to highlight that you have been in relationship to him this whole time, like having conversations. You've been, before you had this conversation with the board, like, hey, this is what I'm going to present. I, when, you, when you talked to me about this, you said, like, this might not go down, but I just want you to know I'm on your team. This wasn't just a cold, hard rule for this person who is wrestling. And so that it wouldn't be no matter, because the board ended up saying, no, I love that he ended up still coming and is going to be, because I am guessing because of the relationship with you. I think a, a lot of that is true. Just feel safe yeah, and loved camp for yep. whatever reason and must be the Holy Spirit yep. working um, to draw him to himself. Yeah. So... So you guys, those of you who are listening, you're like, please give me the hard and fast rule. I, I can't tell you exactly a hard and fast rule. Like ideally there'd be a, a scenario similar to what you did where you're like, you know, this is, this is what I believe. Like I do believe that we, 
I, it would be ideal that you could wrestle with this gender identity wrestling and, and still identify, um, you know, as you do, however you do, and, and be okay with your version of femaleness. But I am not going to push you there. I want to walk with you at 14 where you are today. And I'm not going to push you. I'm going to use your pronouns. I'm going to walk with you here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay in the journey. But what you are saying resembles a lot of what my transgender friend Kat says. And it's she says and again, has given me permission to use she because she knows my spirit is for her and and knows like I'm on Kat's team and I'm going to look for things like um, bathrooms that are gender neutral. And it sounds like you've been such an advocate and you understand as best as you can his experience and you're willing to use pronouns. You're not going to fight the word battles, but you're going to get to the heart that maybe there is, like you just said, this Holy Spirit movement that's happening. Other options for youth pastors are things like, okay, if you, if you go with, okay, it's fine for someone who's identifying born female identifies as male to go in the male cabin. So let's say you say that your board, your board approves it. You could make a hard and fast rule. This is an idea about everyone changes in the bathrooms. And so that's just, everybody has to do it. And you just roll out the rule. This is for everyone. You do it at the beginning of summer. It's not just when the transgender person is there. It's everyone. Well, and we changed a lot of rules like that over the course of probably the last five years, not really thinking about transgender people, but any anybody struggling with any sexual yep. identity. And we've had a number of gay staff um, we've had a, a fair amount of gay staff. Mm-hmm. We surmised just because we had started to do some work in this area and God just brought people to us. Mm-hmm. But thinking through things like changing, um, and you think of like young girls' cabins and they want to build a tent out mm-hmm. of their bunks and mm-hmm. hang blankets up, but not doing that for everybody's safety. And like that's just not thinking through Everyone space. sleeps in their own bed. Everybody sleeps in their own bed. We And we joke with the staff about it. We have a one person per bed policy. Great. And here's why. Yep. Because you don't know who anybody's attracted to. And so I don't want you to get in bed with anybody else. That's so pr- that's so great. There's a ugh, relief in my own heart because when I go on women's retreats now, there's a lot of anxiety in myself because I'm like, can we please everybody just change in the bathroom and don't be awkward about it. Just do it. So I love that yeah. rule for men's and women's retreats and the whole one person in a bunk. And it's not like because of you, it's like, this is our rule because we love you. <laughs> we want to honor you. And this is, this is how we do it. Cause it used to be blue and pink don't make purple. And I would just laugh at that joke because I found ways around that. Anyway, uh, but didn't care about making purple. And so how can you, <laughs> sorry, just being honest. You, you chose dark. <laughs> yeah, I chose dark, kind of. Um, <laughs> and so to have that is protection and care for my heart. So any other practical rules that you guys have implemented to care for LGBT people and everybody at camp? We did start probably six years ago with the oldest two cabins, oldest boys and oldest girls. Um, We do a series through the week called Issues that talks about um, identity being created and God's image being created uniquely male and female and what that means like in our culture and for them. Um, We talk about dysfunctional families, race, sexual identity, stewardship of sexuality. So that allows for a lot of things to be brought up with the older kids. You guys are hitting it all for a little camp. You guys are are small but mighty and courageous. And well, it's kind of nice you it. have a small staff so you can make changes yeah. that seem good to make. Yeah. Well, and that's that's kind of what I was getting at with the question like earlier about if you were at a larger camp, could you have engaged in this conversation the way you have? Because I, I know that while well, the more visibility 
and the more opinions that are on staff or, or everything, like it, it just gets a lot harder to create any sort of movement. Yeah. And I, I guess if you're willing to go into it, you talk about this, this camper who, who came out, which really spurred you to go on this personal journey, you know, and then you mentioned that, that you've had a lot of gay people on staff. Um, how was that wrestling? having gay members on staff. Cause I know that that at other camps, I, I mean, I know people who have worked at camps who have once the camp found out that they were gay, they were let go or their role was greatly reduced. And, and that was a, a very hard, hard thing for them. Um, I can't imagine. It's mm-hmm. not just hard. That's like, Oh, I mean, it, it, yeah, it was because it's the assumption is you're a pedophile. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of what, yeah, that was, or that you're sexually active, you're sexually active yeah. and you're going to try and prey on these kids. So how did you, Great question. How do you wrestle with that? Um, I think some being proactive in trying to discern people's doctrine up front, which is hard because you're interviewing people that are 18, 19, 20, who don't necessarily have a thought out doctrine. Um, But trying through the interview process to see uh, what is your sexual ethic? Where do you stand? So if they hold to a historically Christian view, so if they're like, hey, this is my, I'm a single gay Christian, like Greg Coles or Nate Collins or people who we've had on here. They identify as that, and but they're like, I'm committed to Christ. They could be on staff. Yes. What if they are affirming? And I have a girlfriend, girl saying this. Could not be on could staff. Could not be. So it's more about their... W- would the same ethic go if they were straight? Yes. If they were... If we knew about it. Okay. Yeah. So if they're like... So if they're sleeping, sleeping with, with their boyfriend. Yeah. 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 Okay. We don't... Love it. Man, you guys are doing so many things right. You are learning. You are immersing yourself in the culture. You are trying to be safe. You are thinking through rules. You're thinking through, you're not just talking about sexuality. You're talking about race. You're talking about identity. You're talking about the gospel throughout the week. Good job. It's a cool place. <laughs> it is. Uh, I just want to land the plane real quick. You are, let's say people are not at a camp. Uh, you started a new kind of other ministry in your free time. You are reaching out to LGBT people in your home. And this is something Matt and I are doing at kind of a different level, kind of as a result of this podcast. Thank you, Francis Chan. Uh, but if you, um, like, what are you doing? How are you reaching out to LGBT people outside of camp life? Well, I had mentioned that, that uh, my husband and myself have a single young woman that lives with us. Her name's Kristen. Mm-hmm. She is celibate and gay. Mm-hmm. Um and Which is amazing. Look, she's opening up her home. She's living this, this hospitality lifestyle is what we'll call it. She um, has prompted us a lot just in through the thinking, be, being single first. And how do we reach out to single people in our church? And we had another long-term single friend that really stretched us in this area as well. But then one day it, it just occurred to me, she had been on a retreat for celibate gay Christians of about 30 people and just came home really encouraged and refreshed. And I said, what if we could collect all of the celibate gay people in this area (laughs) for just dinner, fun games? Mm. Wouldn't that be an encouragement? And she said, there's like five of us. (laughs) And I said, well, you don't know that there's only five. And even if there's only five like that, we could still play, play games. So that's what started it and trying to, to see how could we connect with people in our Mm. area is there more um, than five? There are more than five that we've Figured. we have discovered. So, but we're sort of in the beginnings of yeah. figuring out what it'll look like. But just wanting to, I am a, a gatherer. It's not really an official spiritual gift, but <laughs> I just gather people. I love it. What a great way to to end season one. Even though we will have one more bonus 
part of an episode um, because that really summarizes a lot of what we've been talking about over the last 43 episodes, which is really do something and to reach out and to just make it simple and, but just do it. (laughs) So Susan, thank you for challenging us. Thank you for being so practical and for doing the bloody, sweaty, beautiful mess of living out the gospel. Thanks for having me. And I'll let you know, I'll email you about how it goes hosting our trans camper. Yes, please so, do. Again, we'll learn a, learn a couple things. Top 10 question. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Our question of the week, which really will just be an encouragement to us. We, we will probably grab some of these for when we come back the week of August 1. What's a highlight of season one for you? Uh, could you share that with us? You can email me at podcast at himhministries.com or you can post on our blog or on Instagram or Twitter, wherever you can find me, message me, whatever. What's a highlight? What's been like, I don't know, meaningful or funny. We'd love to hear it. And if you all come back season two, um, we are really excited. We're going to have Jackie Hill Perry, Gabe Lyons, Sam Alberry, Wesley Hill, Bridget Eileen, David Bennett, which those of you who know those names, oh, and my dad, if you know those names, uh, you know, they don't all hold to the exact same version of theology and a big thing just because the gospel is the great leveler. I really am so excited to talk about uh, where we agree and how we can lean in with grace and truth. So I'm so excited. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, producer Steve, for being amazing and making this happen. My pleasure. And thank you guys. Yeah. yeah. And thank you, Matt. You're, well, you're, you're very welcome. <laughs> you, you make me sound good. Uh, that's Steve. That's literally his job. Well, no. I mean, you, you're the one who leads the conversation. Wow. You're you're the transition point. You are you are you make this ship sail. Yeah, yeah. you're the wind beneath my wings. There we go. Thank you. I've been waiting wow. for 43 episodes <laughs> and 10 years of marriage. Okay, thank you all for being a part of the Hole in My Heart podcast. We love you guys, and we will see you and the next week, really, when we post the second one, but also next month. All right, bye. Hey, again, we want to thank today's guest, Susan Titus, Program Director at Camp Ray Bird. You can learn more at raybird.org. And thank you so much for making it a great inaugural season for the Hole in My Heart podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And thank you for telling others about this podcast. We hope you have a great summer. And of course, in the meantime, you can contact us at podcast at himhministries.com. We'll see you in August. <laughs>